Hello and welcome. I am Tessa Van Rens. You are listening to this podcast series, Radical Solutions for Britain, brought to you by Unlock Democracy. Everyone is talking about Brexit, but do we know what kind of country we want afterwards? Perhaps we don't need wishful thinking or rehashed ideas, but radical new solutions. So we brought together some inspiring speakers at this year's party conferences to discuss their solutions. In this podcast, we talk to one speaker every episode about their radical idea for Britain. Britain remains a part of the European biosphere. More than 9,000 Londoners are dying prematurely each year because of the poor quality air. So Obama's talking about all of this with the global warming. The challenge for environmentalists to say, isn't there just a possibility that you are now making a really historical mistake? Now that, a lot of it's a hoax. It's a hoax. I mean, it's a money-making industry, okay? It's a hoax. Today, the UK's energy policy is operating in an environment of uncertainty. Government is facing some tough decisions. This episode was recorded at the Labour Party conference. So we are here with Simon Alcock from Client Earth. Could you please introduce yourself briefly? Yeah, sure. My name's Simon Alcock. I work for Client Earth. And Client Earth is an environmental law charity. We work across many areas of the environment and across many countries. So... We're based in the UK, but we have offices in Brussels and in Warsaw. Um, we do work in Africa. And our, our sort of idea is to, to enforce or to, to change laws that don't work to protect the people and the planet. And um, what we've, we've done very successfully in the UK is, is drive a court case against the UK government on air pollution. Wonderful. What then is your radical idea uh, to fix broken Britain? A Clean Air Act, a Clean Air Act for the UK. So that's a new piece of legislation that would bring in the right policies to clean up this air. So the big thing would be when we leave the European Union, we will still have... Our air pollution is is governed by EU law at the moment, and it sets limits for how much you can pollute Um, when we leave the European Union. That will still be the law, but there's all sorts of questions about it. And we think rather than have the EU limits, you should have World Health Organization limits. So it's very ambitious limits that's based on proper science and proper evidence that protects people's health. Um, so that would be the main thing in the Clean Air Act, but we would also want to have the government bring in clean air zones in the UK. So clean air zones are basically when you take dirtiest vehicles off the most polluted parts of your town and your city. Diesel vehicles are the big issue. They produce nitrogen dioxide, which is a toxic gas uh, that harms, harms your health. Alongside that, you need to help people switch and, and, and make this transition, so, and businesses too, because it isn't their fault that they're driving these vehicles, they've been encouraged to buy them. It's actually still cheaper, which is mad, to buy uh, a, a diesel vehicle. And so you need to help people switch, whether that's incentivize, making it easier and cheaper to buy a low-emission vehicle, but also we really like this idea of mobility credits where you can swap a, a dirty vehicle for, for a certain amount of money that you can spend in various ways. And obviously you need to make sure that the right infrastructure is in place. This is about a better way of going about our towns and cities. It's not about penalising people, and it should, you know, it requires a vision from politicians for a better way of life, really. And, it, mm-hmm. and that's surely something we should be aiming for to improve people's lives. And so, the Clean Air Act, I think, would be the first way of doing that. I really like it because I do think a lot of people experience this this extreme sense of, of guilt especially when it comes to environmental issues and the, and the personal choices that we make. 
in a way that becomes almost overwhelming and makes you then decide to just check out altogether yeah. and not recycle or not even try because the problem is so immense and the way that you're thinking about this is very holistically um, without saying it's one individual's person's no. fault or that we need to lay awake at night or that um, we can't make the choices that are good for our business or for our lives. Yeah. Um, oh, completely. I think it's certainly no one's fault, really. I mean, I guess if you were to blame somebody with the car industry that produced the, the <laughs> vehicles that emit more than they, they should be doing, mm. uh, emit more pollution than legal limits. But no, it's not, you know, it's, it isn't people's fault. And that's why you need government action. You know, there's a role for government here in order to, to clarify and to provide the clear, consistent policies that you need. And I'm afraid at the moment, what we've got is they've sort of passed the book to local authorities. And they've said to local authorities, you come up with a plan. Um, and that's just a bit, that's mad, really, because the government knows what's needed. They just don't want to take the tough decisions to, to do it. And that's just sort of, they're shirking their responsibility. And local authorities are strapped for cash. They haven't got the capacity or the, the expertise, really, to, to, to do these these policies, and that's why we think the central government should be taking the responsibility, providing people um, with some clear, consistent policies and messages so they can go about their lives and not just be penalised. So, um, before we go into the practicalities of that, um, it'd be, could you tell me a little bit more about the case that um, Klein Earth, yeah, sure. Earth One and that you're known for? Sure, so we've been breaking the law now on air pollution for, <clears throat> for 10 years, and uh, <laughs> Um, it's been successive governments that haven't dealt with it and we've had a court case for about eight years on this and we've won three victories uh, and each time we win a victory the court orders the government to come up with a new plan to deal with air pollution um, and each time we felt that the plan hasn't been good enough and we've gone back to court and we're reaching we're getting to the point now where they are starting to take it seriously um, they are starting to to realize that they've got to do something they can't just try and get away with it now that's a good thing. We don't think that what they're doing is enough, but um, we've been able to use the courts as a way of, of holding them to account. And I, th I think without the court case, uh, we wouldn't be seeing anything on air pollution. Um, and we're worried that once we leave the European Union, there will be no body there, a public body in place to help us enforce the law. So, for instance, at the moment, we have the European Commission, um, which plays a role. It's not perfect, but plays a role in terms of threatening member states with fines. So how does sort of new scientific evidence uh, feed into trying to push for new policy? Is that do you work with scientists constantly? And yeah. how is that relation? Yeah, we do. We have a very good relationship with, for instance, the, co the scientists at King's College who really measure the air pollution in London. Uh, and they do a brilliant job of actually showing the, the dangers of or showing the how high pollution is. Um, but it's a, it's a combination. It's also the medical profession as well. So the Royal Colleges have been really good at sort of showing the health effects of this air pollution. Each week there seems to be new evidence coming out showing that there's a different health condition that's associated with pollution. Recently it was Alzheimer's that's been linked to it. And I think you've got to have that awareness if you're going to get uh, change because without that awareness people are just going to not understand why mm. you know, they can't use their car in certain parts of the town and city. They need to understand why that's the case and the harm that that's causing. Yeah, um, that fits on very well to my next question. So, like you said, you think law and the courts are really, really important to make this change. But since we do live in a democracy, the, the public opinion and the people kind of forcing the government to do something about it um, has to inevitably be part of that. Are there ways in which Client Earth is um, trying to make that happen as well and really 
um, get those scientific findings out to the people and make sure that they demand their leaders to change something. Yes, definitely. I think it's a, a really important point because, you know, change happens when people come together and demand the change, really, I think, mm. at least big change. And we, we, we coordinate a, a campaign called the Healthy Air Campaign, which is a coalition of, of charities, health organisations, environmental organisations, transport organisations that come together and campaign for, for this change. And we each have our own strengths. Client Earth doesn't have a, a membership base, but a lot of our partners do. And we really try and push uh, our issues out through that membership, through that membership and supporter base, but also through the media as well. We work really hard to highlight the the dangers of air pollution through the media, and we've we've been successful over the past couple of years in, in making this an issue that the media cares about. Wonderful. So um, I think you've been very convincing in um, the fact that we need to be more aware of this and how dangerous it is. So for our listeners um, who feel the same, what, what can they practically do uh, to support the campaigns or to, to try and make this change and contribute to it? Well, they can, they can get in touch with Client Earth and the Healthy Air campaign and sign up for that. Um, in terms of their behavior, there's some information on, on our website about what they could do. Um, but as I say, it's really government action that's needed. It's not just, you know, people... It's, Changing their behaviour isn't enough, really, because mm. you, you've got it's for the government. It's the government's role to sort of facilitate the change and to make it work for everybody. And so, I think putting pressure on their politicians and saying that they want action on this and they need to see more is the best way that they can do to help change yeah. this. Yeah, contacting your MP yeah. and uh, writing them over and over. Is yeah, exactly. Good. I think it, it in, a, in a way that is uh, meaningful and not just a sort of. Uh, postcard campaigns are fine and petitions are fine and they're, they're, they have their place but if you really care about this then you should write a letter and, and really urge them to do something about it yeah I agree thank you very much that was uh, very Pleasure. interesting thanks very much thank you for having me great cheers thanks. thank you this podcast is produced by Unlock Democracy an organisation which wants to give power back to the people this episode was produced and edited by Bridie Addison Child and reported by me, Tessa Van Rens. If you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like or a share, leave any comments you have for us or for the wonderful speakers, or tell us your own idea on social media with the hashtag Radical Solutions.